0: welcome to this month's episode of pull up a chair an original podcast series produced by cfa society boston i'm board chair sarah samuels and i'm here today with chrissy cole founder of penny finance a financial well-being and education platform that seeks to bridge the wealth gap in the workforce chrissy talks about her time at goldman sachs investing high net worth portfolios being approached by the ceo to build a tech platform for private wealth management Her calling to leave her big job and become a founder of Penny Finance to bridge the wealth gap, and breaking into the angel and venture community to capitalize her business. Welcome to the podcast, Chrissy. Chrissy, this podcast is about bravery in the investment industry and beyond, and you epitomize that with everything you've done in your career. You went from a big job at Goldman Sachs to a founder and an entrepreneur creating Penny Finance, which seeks to bridge the wealth gap. That takes some serious bravery, which we'll hear a lot more about. But to kick off our discussion, what was a foundational childhood experience that formed who you are today?
1: I think the biggest thing that got me to where I am today is I watched women work extra hard in my life, my grandmother and my mother. We lived next door to my grandmother. She worked till she was 75, till the day she passed, running a seamstress business out of her basement with a sixth grade education. My mom, single mom, worked seven days a week in corporate America. I knew in my childhood that women did it all. And that stuck with me until this moment because I thought, do we have to work until we die? I really don't want to do that. And that's what really catapulted me into my career. Can you tell us about your career progression? From investing
0: portfolios for high net worth families at Goldman Sachs to building trading and technology platforms to now founding Penny Finance.
1: I was one of those lucky ones who landed an internship at Goldman while in college. I studied finance and accounting at Bentley outside of Boston and feel so lucky to have landed a job in New York at Goldman. I started when I was 22 and I graduated college and I spent 10 years there in a million different jobs. But my first job was a client representative for ultra high net worth families. And I helped advisors manage the day-to-day operations for their clients. So I got to learn everything from asset allocation to securities-based loans to trading options, which was incredible. But then my career took a turn that I never thought it would. It was not expected, it was not planned. I almost didn't even want to do it, but when I was like 26-ish, the CEO of the business said, Chrissy, our clients, our business, our platforms, will you go build tech? (laughs) I said, what? What do you mean? I've never written a good line of code in my life, and why do you think that I'm capable of doing that? And he said, we need to transform our business and become super digital and help provide the best tools for our clients and our teams. And our clients and our teams, and I think you can do this. So I switched roles completely. I was on track to be a financial advisor, which is what I wanted to do my whole life. And I became a product manager of trading and tech platforms. And that was an incredible experience because I became absolutely obsessed with how can we solve problems with technology?
0: It's so interesting that your career has taken some turns that you didn't necessarily plan. In this industry, there are quite a few alpha personality types. We like to be in control of our destinies. We like to know what the next steps are. We prefer that they be linear. So maybe could you tell us a little bit about how it felt to take that
1: risk? It didn't feel good, especially for me. You know, I am such a planner. I'm always living in the future. I'm always thinking about, oh, if I do this thing and get that next promotion, and then this is next and this is next. But I realized you're at this place with so many smart people and the COO at the time had been there for 35 years. And sometimes you just have to trust the process. And I'm very lucky to have had a mentor, my career advisor, who said, your career is going to be zigzagged. Like It's not going to all make sense, but every zig and every zag is going to add up to something that's going to make sense later. And honestly, it wasn't until I was in my 30s and decided to start Penny that I actually felt like I was where I was supposed to be. Every year in that 10 years at Goldman, I was like, What am I doing? What snacks? Do I like this? Do I not like this? And so I think my big piece of advice and feedback to people is, especially in your 20s, because you want that dream job, is just learn. Just learn. Keep learning, constantly learning and growing. And as long as you're learning some sort of skill, you're good. You're going to be fine. I often
0: tell, People who I'm advising in their 20s or even early 30s that sometimes the non-linear careers are actually extremely much more valuable than the linear ones because you're bringing in that mosaic of experiences to, to really be able to do a much better job. You were doing great at Goldman by all measures. You built some trading platforms and technology platforms. You were stretching. You were in a position of real influence. What happened? What caused you to take yet another
1: leap of faith and found Penny Finance? COVID happened. (laughs) In 2020, COVID happened. And my family, I talked about my mom and my grandmother. My mom took a big leap of faith when I was 16 and left corporate America and started an ice cream business. That ice cream business in COVID was threatened to be shut down. And so my new husband and I were in Rhode Island, hunkered down during COVID, outside of the New York bubble, outside of our normal routine, trying to figure out how can we keep this wonderful family business that has been with us for like almost 20 years. And in that moment, it was almost like I knew I needed to be there for my family and use everything I've learned to make sure that this isn't a financial crisis that completely sets my mom who supported me my entire life back. And so the the bravery there was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit my job. I am going to help us figure out how to navigate COVID in the restaurant space. And that's when the light bulb went off for me for a penny. I was an accidental entrepreneur. This was not planned whatsoever to start A VC backed startup. What happened was all of the financial struggles I've watched my family go through, I went through, all my women, friends, and colleagues went through, and now my mom experiencing with me like we're just one crisis away from not being able to do the things we want to do. I said, Oh my God, I need to start something to help everyday people who don't have a financial advisor so that they can have choices. like We all just want to have choices. I had the freedom and the choice to quit my job and help my family. I wanted that for everyone. And so that's the beginning, early, early seed to Penny was the first few months of COVID.
0: So believe it or not, you are the second of our four guests so far on this podcast who describes themselves as accidental entrepreneurs, (laughs) that sometimes these opportunities happen and you didn't plan for it. And I might even describe it as a calling. It sounds like
1: you had a calling to start penny finance. Absolutely. And a lot of people, when they start businesses, they look at the macroeconomic landscape and say, oh, here's an opportunity. For me, it wasn't like that at all. I then built the business plan off the back of this, but it was a real problem that I had experienced for the better part of my life and watched other people experience. And I think that's like a big learning with me now that I look back on this. This is almost three and a half years ago, which is everyone says this all your passion. But when you're really focused and working on something that you care so deeply about, like in your bones, it is one way more fun. But success comes from that. And then you feel like you're in the right place and you don't feel as uncomfortable as you do when you're navigating these career turns that you're really like, you're like, am I in the right job? I don't really know if I'm in the right job. You like know it in your bones when you are.
0: We're gonna talk about Penny Finance, the platform and what you've built in a moment. But one of our guests has been an executive coach, specifically in the investment industry. And I'm curious as you were navigating all of these changes, did you have a coach?
1: Yes, and I still do. And I actually have three people that I turn to I have an executive coach I have a traditional therapist and I have an advisory board which is basically a collection of the mentors who they have my blind spots right like they know things that I don't know marketing affiliate revenue (laughs) things like that you need an unbelievable support system whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in working at a bank, whether you're a financial advisor, what have you. Because when you're challenging yourself and you're in constant uncomfortable situations, our gut reaction is to just hide from these things. And, and you need people to help you to navigate the tough times and stay true to yourself.
0: So our audience is composed of 6,000 plus CFA Charter Holders in the Boston area, one of the largest CFA societies in the world. And we work across all sorts of parts of the investment market from private wealth to institutional to public markets and private markets and anything in between. And we have folks in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond. Also, this podcast will be available to anybody in the world today. But when you think about our audience, Could you help tie in, as you're describing your platform, why this matters to our different members in the investment community?
1: So that's such a great question. And I think for all of us who are listening and talking about all things finance, we are super sophisticated, right? We've studied this. We've gotten the extra certifications. We likely really like it or really good at it if we are in this group of people who do this for a living. But most people are not. Most people are not financially sophisticated. And even people who are educated might not have the tools or the education for everyday financial management. We didn't learn it in school. Thankfully, the government has started to make personal finance required in high schools all over the country. But most states didn't require this. So you got your job and you just had to figure out how to file your taxes, open your credit cards, get a mortgage, invest your 401k. But the majority of Americans do not have the financial literacy that we have. So there's two things. One is I saw that and I saw that really clearly at Goldman, even my colleagues who were <laughs> investing for clients and doing really complicated option spreads didn't know how to invest a 401k. And so I think the thing I wanna leave people with is we have to remember that this stuff is hard. It's like another language and we have a duty to teach people and share the wisdom. And that's really what Penny is. How do we in a scalable way share the wisdom that is in the four walls that we all operate in out to the world so that people can grow their wealth and there's a lot of trade secrets in this business and there's a lot to learn so that's how Penny came about I said how can I get the wisdom and trade secrets and all of these tricks and tips to have really good healthy money habits out into the world and specifically starting with women because 70% of women do not invest compared to 24% of men do not invest. And that's a huge population of people.
0: I often say that the two things that we need to lift people up in this regard are role models. And I would say that you are unequivocally a role model for others to spark that interest and believe that we can do it. And the other is education, which is what your company is really doing. It's providing education in a very affordable and accessible way. What's behind the name Penny Finance?
1: I still have the sticky note of all the different names that I was coming up with for this. Penny came about because I wanted it to symbolize that you can start investing with the littlest amount of money. When we started Penny, I interviewed 500 women. I knew what I wanted to build, and I had a lot of like gut instincts around how to do it. But you, of course, need to talk to the end customers. And every single one's investing. I don't make enough money to do that. And when I told people, you can buy a mutual fund or an ETF with less than $100, people were in shock. So I wanted a name that immediately felt, oh, this is a product or tool for me. And we trademark start with a penny as our tagline, which is all of our social media accounts. So people knew you could start from nothing.
0: And you've alluded to it, but what is your mission in creating Penny
1: Finance? What does success look like? We want to create the next generation of women investors. And we want to create the largest group of women investors in the world. We want to close the wealth gap. But to do that, it's going to take time. So we're really focused on how do we, over the long term, help create the most financial and powered generation of women.
0: Can you quantify the wealth gap and tell us why you believe it
1: exists? 2020 data, when I started the company, I looked at retirement accounts because for everyday people, that's usually where your wealth is tied up and locked up. Women at that time were retiring We're on track to retire with one-third the wealth of men. A third. So we're the majority of the workforce. We have more degrees. We're working more. (laughs) Yet we're retiring with a third. Like I thought, gosh, like this is such a major problem. We need to make a dent in this. Just a few months ago, new data came out. And there has been significant progress. Women are now on track or retiring with half the wealth of men. So we've made a little dent in that. And I'd like to say Penny is a little bit of a contributor there. We tried to quantify the 22,000 women that have gone through our program, and we and we think we've accelerated 8 billion in wealth. There's, of course, a lot of other things happening in the world and amazing initiatives going on that have helped boost that number. There's a lot of components to this, but one of the biggest one is women getting into the investing game too late. So you can't take advantage of all the CFAs on the call now, compound interest. is a wonderful thing.
0: So let's hear a little bit about the platform. How did you build it? How does it work? Walk us through a day in the life of a new user a Penny Finance Platform.
1: So how we built it is we basically, the original vision, like I said, this was accidental, right? This is not like the most solid out business plan. I wanted to download my brain into an app. That's how we started with, okay, the way I think about money, And this was not according to – like now we're according to like modern portfolio theory and CFP guidelines. But when I started was, okay, let's get out of debt, get into investing. Here's how you manage your credit cards. Here's how you manage your student loans. Here's how you get into investing, making it super digestible, super fun. That's what we wanted to build. So we started and we said, let's challenge ourselves to not insert a human in this process. Can we? Code something up so that the decision logic, the steps that you need to take, and how to do it is all in this platform so people can do it themselves and we could totally scale this. That was the idea. We hired a couple engineers. We started building a web based application first. And the idea was super interactive, super easy, super bite sized. You click through, instant results, personalized as you're going through because. Nobody wants to learn about money. People want to learn about their own money. And so the over the past three years, we've been building, building, building almost 55 tech releases at this point. The way Penny works today is it starts with a data collection process where you take a really fun money quiz and put information in about your money. We then do the hard calculations in the back end to project your future net worth and the time until you will get out of debt. Debt is such a huge component here because two-thirds of women in America hold student loan debt. It's disproportionately held by women because we've been getting more degrees since the 80s. I want people to see the big picture. If I keep putting this into my 401k or right, IRA, right, and if I keep paying these debts, what does it look like in the grand scheme of things? And we try to create a lot of visual components for people to help just let it see because it's hard it's complicated hard intimidating stuff and we wanted it to be super understandable then you link your bank accounts so we can then start peering through to all of your accounts and making smart recommendations on what to do oh you have this money sitting in a checking account it should be in a high yield savings account this is how much you earn. did you know your 401k is actually not invested it's sitting in a money market fund things like that because The number of people, they're like, I don't even open my my 401k statement. I just throw it out when it comes to my house. We try to do all of the steps to do that work for you. And then you have this money hub that shows you where you're going to be, your smart recommendations, and then the education comes in. Okay, now I get it. I need to put a little more in my 401k. I need to invest it. It's not invested. Oh, I'm never going to be debt free. I got to increase my payment. How do I do these things? And so we've created there's 70 plus like interactive, less than 10 minute educational modules for people to go through to actually do these things. And then the last piece of penny is okay, you see the big picture, you know what you need to do. It's still freaking hard and it still sucks. And most of our women are like, I want to poke my eyes out, Chrissy. 0% credit card. Like, what the heck is that thing? Like, how do I even apply for it? We have a community. Of women and a platform where you can chat with each other, join masterclasses, join events, see different perks from all these various different products to help you with all of these things, just to help people like take the action. Cause that's the hardest part. Okay, I know what I need to do, but am I really gonna go buy that target fund in my 401k? How do you give people this like virtual hand to hold so they can actually go do it? That's Penny
0: see, I'm a customer of Penny Finance, and I have been investing institutional capital for 20 years, responsible for the allocation of $1.6 trillion. And I learned a lot from Penny Finance about how to manage my own portfolio. So if that tells you anything, I think it's that everyone really should get on and check it out, especially institutional investors who don't have to think about taxable considerations and are maybe not in, in that sphere of the personal finance so you started this company you founded a startup and at first you were bootstrapping it in terms of your capital structure and capitalizing the business tell us about your experience you just talked about how you built the platform but how did you finance it and how did you begin to learn about venture and angel investors
1: Oh, Sarah, I spent all my money on this. (laughs) Everything that Betty would tell you not to do, I did with this business, which is so ironic. I did bootstrap the business in the beginning. When I hired a couple engineers and started working on the brand and the design and the site, I used my own capital because I knew I needed to have something tangible to go fundraise with. I did not know a lot about venture capital, institutional capital, angel investing. I came from private wealth, but I thought, and I thought wrong. I thought, hmm, I'm a finance major. I worked at a big bank. Fundraising shouldn't be that hard, right? Wrong. Totally wrong. I used On Deck. I don't know if it's a startup community, to help educate myself on, okay, how do I even go fundraise? Like, you need a deck that... How do you get intros to all these investors? What are the different rounds? How do you think about valuation? Do I do a convertible? No. Do you give away equity? Like you have to learn all these things. Once I felt a little bit comfortable, but honestly not super comfortable, I started pitching investors. Asking everyone in my network and friends of friends, introduce me to angels, introduce me to venture capitalists. Maybe it was a year into Penny when we started doing this and we had customers, we had revenue, we had a product in the world. Yeah, it wasn't great because it was one year old. I fell flat on my face. Everybody said no. You hear these stories like, oh, Jeff Bezos pitched 400 investors until he could get one. I pitched hundreds and got no one, (laughs) not a single person. And it was hard, and I reached a point where I had to decide, okay, how am I going to capitalize this business? I knew this was going to be hard, but I didn't think it was going to be this hard. And we had a very attractive business, a very attractive platform, and customers. I thought, what else do I need? This is just like what we're talking about with financial wisdom. There is a way to fundraise, and you could do everything. It's I call it the sport of fundraising. You really have to be in the club. You really have to know everyone. You really have to, there's a lot of hype. And you need that first investor before others feel comfortable investing. And so it was maybe six months later, I was trying to decide what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You always have to have a backup plan. I applied to a startup accelerator, which is another way to get capital, a little bit of capital, but you're part of a program. I realized, You know what? I can't do this alone. I'm a sole founder. This is so hard. Yes, I have a great business, but I can't just keep my head down working. I need to go do something different. And so I applied to a bunch of different accelerators. And the one that we got into was funded and backed by Pivotal Ventures, which is Melinda Gates' investment company. And everything changed from there. I went back to every investor. And you know what they said this time? They said yes. Nothing changed in the business. Nothing. I could have given up. And we're talking about bravery on this call. I didn't want to go fundraise again. I didn't want to do an accelerator. I was so crushed. I just felt, can I really do this? It makes you question, like, is this a good idea? Should I do this? And I'm so glad that I just pushed through that fear and went and did it all over again because I ended up raising a million dollars from a variety of VCs, a variety of angel investors a lot to do as part of this Techstars Pivotal Ventures Accelerator, but it was hard. It was hard. And I think I have PTSD, honestly, from fundraising at this point. So
0: let's shift gears a little bit and hear from you. What
1: is your call to action to listeners and to the world? Especially to listeners here. This is a very specific group of people, CFA, certified, really smart, sophisticated investors and professionals. I want you to do two things. One is, can you just share the wisdom and all the trade secrets you're learning in your day-to-day job, whether you're trading equities or you're in private wealth or, I don't know, you work in prime brokerage. Talk about it to people in your everyday life because the reason we're in this position right now where more than half of America is not financially literate is because we haven't brought everyone into the fold. So my one request is to share the wisdom, share the wealth talk to people about this, especially women in your life. It's going to take decades to change a lot of the gender norms in America. But the first thing is to bring women into this. Like we're not around to just be budgeters and like family planners. We are really good investors, really good. We can look at the data. Just talking about it over time that allows people to have the education and then the confidence to invest. So that's my first request is talk, talk about all the things that you do. And then the second thing I will say is a lot of you are like me. You maybe worked in corporate or you do work in corporate, but you might be building your own businesses or you might have a business idea one day. I challenge you to go against the status quo and think about the everyday person. A lot of what the financial industry has done over many years is prioritize the wealthy because you think that's the only way you can make money. And I'm here to tell you that's not the only way you can make money. So I challenge you to think about how you can potentially help people, even though you might not think being you know, like, creating an ETF is like gonna help someone, maybe it will. see, you have a young daughter. Yes, And I would love to hear
0: how you're approaching money with her. She is likely too young right now to actually understand. But is it ever too young to introduce these concepts to our children and children who maybe aren't as fortunate as ours?
1: My daughter is 21 months old, Charlie girl. Yes, I think she's a little too young, but I still make her when we go shopping or for groceries or we're out and about. I make her take my credit card out of my wallet and hand it to the person. I don't know if that'll sink in, but little things like that, I want her to know how things work. I do have tons of cousins and grandkids. And one of the things I do is for 16-year-old birthday gifts or graduation gifts, they get a Roth IRA. They don't get anything else. So I think there's a lot of little things you can do just to help people get excited about finances. My goal for Charlie, though, is... I just want her to be financially free and be able to make the choices in her life. And I think I just do that by having the career that I have and being a working mom and showing her that do what you want to do and then you'll have financial freedom. I think the other thing that is really important with money, which is less about like everyday tips and tricks is how you co-parent your children. My husband and I always talk about money together. We make decisions together. Like something little like that, I think that will seep in for her into her brain over time. And I want her to feel like she has a seat at the table with all things finances. And she'll see that in our life.
0: So in closing, Chrissy, I have a personal question for you. Tell us about a moment of bravery that you've had and how it's changed your life. You've told us about a lot of career moments of bravery. But is there anything else that you'd like to share with us about a
1: moment when you were brave? Such a good question. Speaking of Charlie and my daughter, I think my biggest moment of bravery was not having two babies at once. I like, I tell people I launched Penny the same week I gave birth to my daughter, which that was like a whole sort of crazy. (laughs) I think my biggest moment of bravery is when Charlie was like six, seven, eight months old. I was flying back and forth to D.C. for the accelerator. Penny's crazy. You have a newborn at home. You're not sleeping. I asked for help because I was suffering from serious postpartum and was rejecting all the help from everybody in my life. I'm like, no, I'll just power through. This is what I've done my whole life. I've watched my grandmother and my mother do this. I don't need help. I surrendered and I asked for help. And I think that sometimes bravery isn't doing the riskiest thing it's doing the most vulnerable thing.
0: Thank you, Chrissy. This has been a wonderful conversation. I know it's gonna inspire a lot of people. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Pull Up a Chair. Join us each month as we continue our conversation with fascinating industry leaders. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For more information on CFA Society Boston, visit us online at cfaboston.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.